Fit Nation. It's Fit Nation. Awesome. If you are a veteran and you are struggling or feel like you are leading towards a path of darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You are not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like someone in your inner circle or your family will feel like you're a burden to them or you feel embarrassed to tell them what you're going through, call the anonymous hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option one for veterans. Someone will answer. Someone will talk you through this. Uh, don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you were a new listener, thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to our show and on your favorite apps. 
to include the Military Broadcast Radio app, which has a host of veterans that have multiple shows. Check them all out. They're all great shows, all great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. That's the underscore Misfit Nation. This will keep you up to date on all our latest shows, our episodes, and of course, our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest is a Colorado native and is a mountain girl at heart. She loves writing mystery and suspense thrillers with a canine flair from her small ranch southeast of Denver, where she dotes on her horses, complains about her cows, and writes to create a home for her imaginings. Inspired by life in the country, she fosters her creative side by writing water, writing watercolor painting, quilting, and crafting stained glass. She is a member of Novelist Incorporated and Sisters in Crime. So without further ado, let's welcome Jody Burnett, author to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Jody. Thanks, Rich. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, as I was going through your website earlier, we saw the pre-show. I seen the dog on every cover. So that's awesome. Dogs and everyone. Canine, canine, canine. And then the, the last three was uh, the Flint River stuff. So there was no dog. So I was a little upset there, but it, I'll be, I'll get over that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The, the Flint River series was my first series and it, there's horses and there, there are dogs in the stories, but they're not the primary character <laughs> in those. <laughs> so Jody, if you don't mind, uh, tell the, the Misfit Nation a little bit about yourself from as far back as you want to go to how you got to writing and where we are now. Sure. Well, I, I always had an incredible imagination as a kid and loved to play make-believe and was always playing with my imaginary friends until it became a little socially awkward to continue to play make-believe so I had to bring my imagination inside and uh, you know I grew up till had four kids we um, moved around my husband was a marine so that's or is I should say no no uh ex-marines former yeah, marine don't get in trouble um, there. <laughs> that's right i can get myself in big trouble and so we we had uh three of our kids were born in the in the military and that was exciting and good we adventured around the world um told my kids stories all the time but it wasn't until they started moving away from home and i was just heartbroken i didn't know what i was going to do without them and who i was going to be and my husband he said you know you ought to write a book and uh, what he really meant was you know is there seven easy steps to stop telling your husband about your emptiness. <laughs> but I took him at his word and I, I did, I wrote a book. I didn't write that book. I wrote a fiction novel and I fell in love with writing. And so I've just been writing ever since it's a great place for my imagination to go. So that's us. It definitely helps you out there, especially when you had to get rid of your imaginary friends to get to your adult life and get married right. and have grown children. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your imaginary friends moved back in when they when they left. I was waiting for that to come up. That would have been great. <laughs> that would have been that would have been a whole different story. <laughs> was there any influencers uh, that influenced you to write, like when you were growing up? Maybe a teacher, or your mom, or someone that wrote a lot. Maybe you was like, oh, I want to do that when I grow up too, but just put it on hold as you went through life. Yeah, well, I had never really thought about being a writer, but I did have my eighth grade English teacher, Mrs. Scornavacchio, was she was just tremendous. She she also uh, fostered in me a, a love of reading, and I, I didn't like to participate in the class conversation. We had to read books, and then we had to have a discussion, and I just didn't, I wasn't really getting it, or I didn't like it, and so she pulled me aside, and she uh, invited me to read some some books that she suggested. And the first book that she had me read was a book called Christie, and it's a historical fiction. And it was so good. And it was just 
opened up a whole new world for me. And then also, then she encouraged me to write for the extra credit that I needed since I wasn't participating in class. <laughs> and I wrote a, a play. I don't even know if I ever, if I ever finished it, but I started writing a play. And so it was just a wonderful teacher igniting in me um, and a love of learning that I didn't have before. And so that was, that was probably the most influence I had as far as teachers went. I had a really terrific English education in, in high school and in college. So, you know, just with that, you have literature and things like that. But I, again, I never really thought about being a writer at all. That was never something that crossed my mind. Now, because you have 11 books now. Uh, I know. <laughs> you're still rolling. I'm sure you still had a, you have a bunch of on your on your computer right now that are going at the same time as we're talking here. And more ideas going through <laughs> as we're talking. Uh, how, how did you uh, decide on the first set of books that you wrote uh, the series? Well, the, the saying goes, write what you know. And so I thought about it. Well, I'm a military wife, so I know that that lifestyle. I know what it is to, you know, a bit, I've hung around Marines for most of my you know, young adult years. And, um, and also I had a business in like in my thirties and forties, I had a business called horses healing hearts where I worked with at-risk kids um, doing equine therapy. So I'd take mostly like kids from the foster system and we would take them out. They and their social worker, we'd come out to the arena and do different kinds of therapy activities with them using horses. And it's just, it is a fascinating work. It's gratifying. It's, it's so much faster than office therapy. You know, you take these kids, they've been in office therapy with a psychologist their whole life. They know the game way better than you do. And, and they'll, they know what to say or whatever, but if you take them out into an arena and now they're out there with say three horses at Liberty, they're big, they're a little scary. No, you know, they don't know what they're going to do. And you have them try to accomplish different tasks, all of their coping methods sort of show up and you can deal with it in real time. So if anger is the way they deal with something, or if shutting down is the way they deal with stress, then you can say, this is what happened. Let's talk about some new skills. Let's practice those new skills and do it right now. And then it just makes it much faster than saying, okay, let's work on this next week. Next week you come back and I ask you how you, how it went or whatever. It's just, it's more effective and it's right there in real time. So it's a, it's an awesome work, but long story short, I, I then combined those two things. So run for the Hills was the first book. And it, it, the main, one of the main characters is a, a Marine who comes back from Afghanistan and he's, you know, he's, one of his friends was killed and he's, you know, he feels like it was his fault. He feels like he should have been able to prevent it, or at least maybe it should have been him. And he just goes through all of that struggle. And he, he comes back to uh, his wife at home had left him, but he now has a teenage daughter who's estranged and he's trying to deal with all this. And he's of course struggling. He's not doing very well. Well, the, the therapist who's the female side of that, of the, the main character, she is a social worker that actually comes from Colorado, but she goes up to Wyoming. She's, she's on the run from a psychopathic ex-client who's trying to kill her. So she runs away and hides and she finds herself in this small town in Montana. And that's how they're, the, she gets involved with that family. There's three brothers in the family. And so each there's three books in the series. Each book is one of the brother's stories. But the first one is his, his name is Cade Stone and he's, so anyway, she helps him deal with, uh, you know, learning how to deal with his daughter, learning how to deal with his 
you know, his anger, doing some biofeedback and things like that. So he can begin to feel the emotions coming on before they do and before they explode and that kind of thing. And it's just, that was the first book. And I, so I wrote it out of my heart, I guess, out of my understanding and um, experience with military guys and what, what they've all been through. Life journeys and uh, life journeys and life uh, stories can go into a book easily. And that's a, the best books usually written loosely based off of reality. And that yeah. brings the audience closer to it. I think a lot better. And you brought up equine therapy where you are. There's a large group of veterans, a large veteran population just outside of Denver there in Colorado Springs area. And I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of them would love equine therapy. And uh, I know when I was doing my first job out of the military, we actually had volunteers that worked at equine therapy places and they always, they were always happy every time I talked to them. So I know it works. It's, a, it's incredible. It's just incredible therapy. Even if it's just, you go out and spend some time in the presence of these animals that are so calm and they're so gentle, but they're big. And that, you know, there's a lot you can really, you know, identify with being big and, and that animal could kill you, but doesn't chooses not to is gentle you know, and can, it's just, it's some really terrific metaphors and, and wonderful, wonderful work. Definitely. I believe, uh, I, I love animals a lot more than people sometimes. Like you said, you're talking about therapy. <laughs> I don't do well in the, with the therapy that the VA tries to give. So I do things other ways to create a, mm-hmm. a better way for me. <laughs> so I think, yeah, uh, exactly. No exactly. two people are the same. So it's hard to say what'll sure. work for everyone, but I'm sure exactly. animals work a lot exactly. better. Exactly. Yeah. And you did all this independently, all your authoring, all your publishing stuff? Yes, I'm an independent author. So that means I publish myself. And um, I love that because I'm in complete control of my entire career, good or bad. So, you know, <laughs> if it doesn't work, it's my fault too. <laughs> but um, but I like being able to make all the choices and the time decisions and things like that. It's quicker, it moves quicker than traditional publishing. And I just, I prefer it. It's not for everybody, but I yeah. love it. I've met a lot of a lot more recently that like the independent side more than going through a publishing house and having to deal with deadlines or it has to be this way, not your way, not the way your creative mind wants, but our way, because this is the way our publishing house goes. Right. Exactly. I mean, I mean, there are hiccups on the independent side if you have to warehouse things and stuff like that. But if you're selling, that kind of washes out. It, it kind of washes in the end. Yeah. Well, most things are print on demand, so you're not really having a warehouse problem. So that's that's wonderful. So that yes. you can do that in a lot of different ways in different places, or of course, eBooks and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, certainly traditional publishing, there's a lot of, there's some benefits to that and there's benefits to independent publishing. It just depends on your nature and what you, what you like. I like to be able, you know, I like to choose my cover and in traditional publishing, primarily your publisher will choose your cover and, um, and, and, if you don't get picked up by a publisher, it doesn't mean you you don't have a great book. It just means they can't sell it right then. So it's kind of hard to, to tell. On the independent side, you know your book is a success if it sells. I mean, the market is what tells you if it's good or not. You know, and so that's kind of helpful, I think. On the um, publishers, they they have to make money, so they they're thinking about that absolutely. bottom line right away. So yeah. If they sign you and give you, uh, I guess a a contract with a money clause in there, they have to make that plus in order to break even and pay for their people inside. So I understand the business side. I think Mm -hmm. the independent way, like you said, is much better for the author. And especially once you get it going, now you're on 11 books. I'm sure it's like easy, the backside of your hand now. Okay. I know that I have to just get my, (laughs) I have enough ISBNs left. I can do this and and move forward and get this going. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> there is that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what made you get into like the suspense uh, novels or, or even joined Sisters in Crime? <laughs> Well, I, and I, I just belonged to a local writing group when I first started. I didn't belong to Sisters in Crime right away. But as I started to write Run for, Run for the Hills, it was supposed to be sort of a romantic suspense, which it isn't. And I, I, I started having this character showing up in this story that was, you know, a little dark. And then he, he behaved in dark ways and he was creepy. And I just found myself really enjoying writing this, which sort of shocked me because I didn't know where that was coming from. But, but I really, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed um, the tension and the suspense. And so over time, I just, that's really what I've narrowed into now. And then of course, after that series, I moved into the FBI canine series. And so um, that's a lot of, you know, police kind of police work, FBI work and, uh, and, and dogs there. And almost all of the military or all of the FBI agents in my books are, um, you know, veterans. And so they connect on that level. They connect because they all work together in the, the fictional Denver FBI canine unit. And, but they, but they have different jobs, like, one is a tracker, you know, one is the, you know, the captain or the head of the unit and there's a bomb dog in one and um, stuff like that. I, I wrote a book called in that series, there's a book called uh, Concealed Cargo and that has to do with um, human trafficking. And that I just wrote, that was another book from my heart just because I think that we really need to know that this is more prevalent than we think it is. And I just, really wanted to tell that story. So I, it's not terribly graphic, but it was a painful book to research for sure. I'm sure. And, and but, seeing the plight of the people being trafficked and seeing yeah. what they go through and uh, especially the young women uh, and girls that get trafficked and young boys mm-hmm. too uh, yeah. across the world. It's not just uh, on our Southern border. It's the whole world where this happens. And yeah, right, exactly. It's, it's and horrible. for me, it was a little shocking that it was so prevalent right here in the United States. And it's not necessarily foreign nationals either it's our own children and it's you know I guess I I was naive to that and so I'm glad I did the research and I and you know but yikes it's we need to know and we need to know how to help if we can so in the internet the interstate system we have the Eisenhower interstate system that was built was built for a positive purpose but it's it's used (laughs) for many many negative purposes because it's so easy to get places and and move (laughs) not just people, but any kind of illicit thing you want mm-hmm. to move across this country, you can move very, yeah. fairly easily. So, I mean, I'm sure right. your and research we, and, opened a lot of eyes there. <laughs> yeah. And in Colorado, we have I-25, which goes, you know, cuts the nation in half north to south and I-70 cuts the nation in half <laughs> east to west. So we are right in the center of it. Yeah. Lots of stuff going through. Yeah. When I, I lived in Kansas right off of I-70 and the police would just sit there and, and catch people every day with something. Yeah. Every day it'd be a big news article on I-70, you know? <laughs> Maybe take a different yes. route. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How much research did you do with like canine handling and stuff to get that into the book? Well, I, ha- I had the fortune of meeting another author who was writing canine books and her brother was an FBI agent in um, hostage on the hostage rescue team. And I was able to interview him and he gave me just so much information. And in fact, is the the source of all of my commands, when I use dog commands in my books, they're check commands. And I got all of those from him. So <laughs> that's what he used with his dog. He had a German shepherd, nice. um, but 
but and the dogs I primarily and I kind of have now focused on is the Belgian Malinois, which I know is uh, heavily used in the military and primarily because the, I mean German shepherds are fantastic, but they have hip issues and they're heavier. Um, a Belgian is lighter. They're only you know they're they can do anything. They're just incredible dogs. If you ever have a chance to get on YouTube and look up some of their antics, I mean, they can jump like, I don't know, it seems like 12 to 20 feet high in the air and they, they're just amazing. And they've got a ton of energy. The big joke is though, is you don't really want to own one because <laughs> unless you're going to be out there running with them and, you know, all, all the time training with them all the time, um, you know, you just, they have too much energy to be in the house. They're not a house pet. But I've also had uh, the opportunity to interview a couple of canine police officers. I have, there's one who lives in our small town that's local. And I just recently blogged about an interview I did with Castle Rock. Castle Rock's about half an hour south of Denver and their police department has a great canine unit. And um, those guys were so awesome. They let me come in, they showed me all around and we couldn't actually meet their dogs in person because they're bite dogs and apparently <laughs> they'll bite you. Like they, they don't know anything else. So we were allowed to see them beside, behind the glass door, beautiful dogs. One was a Belgian Malinois, one was a Belgian shepherd and they were just incredible. But so that's the, the primary inf information that I have is from you know, talking to these guys who are in the field. That's what I mean. It's great to get all that information on. We have a Belgian that lives across the street from us and he's a, he's a pretty wild fellow. His name's Gunner. His mom just came home from deployment and a very excited boy. He's a awesome. two years old now. So he, to me, oh, wow. she, she does a lot of things with him, dresses him up and stuff. It's like dress up time with him. But it, like <laughs> you said, he's out every day. They're throwing frisbees to him, throwing ball to him. He hugs people when they come down the street. So he's, he's a good boy, but he has a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the police that I talked to said that, you know, you can't outrun them. So trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to ever, you know, exhaust them isn't going to happen, but the way that they keep their dogs sort of in check is by mentally engaging them. So it's the mental training that helps them, you know, to, to calm down. And, and so that, you know, whatever you're doing, whatever they're doing, you know, whatever your neighbor's doing is all good stuff. Make them work, make them work for that money, make for that work. Make for them work. <laughs> and on your, on your small farm where you, you play with your animals, do you have dogs, do your dogs play with the animals too, or are they not interact? They do. I have a, a lab. I have a yellow lab and yeah. a Rottweiler. Oh, wow. And yeah, and they're great. We just love them. And of course, they're out. You know, they've learned not to chase the chickens. They, they get in trouble if they try to chase the chickens. <laughs> but what we what we discovered, and then I've since researched this, but my Rottweiler naturally herds the cattle. So we nice. have about eight cows and right now. And and when we're trying to get him to go somewhere, he, so the lab goes in the middle and just disperses them. And they're, you know, he barks and jumps around. And he thinks it's a big game. And he's, you know, we have to actually keep him away because he's going to get kicked. He's not really aware. You know, he just thinks it's a big party, but the Rottweiler gets, you know, he rounds them up and he, he goes and he'll, he'll nip at their, at their heels and, and then bounce back. So they can't, and it's just fascinating to watch because he's never had any training. And so I looked it up and sure enough in there, in his heritage, the Rottweiler was actually a herding dog well before it was a guard dog of any sort. So wow. I thought that was kind of interesting. So a natural herding dog. I always thought of yeah. it as a, a great attack dog, but, but well, like yeah. a teddy and bear. You know, <laughs> right. He's an absolute teddy bear. Great with my grandkids, great with kids, great with anybody. He's super kind, but I have to tell a funny story. So when we first moved out here, my Roddy was, he was only about six months old. So he's just learning and he's, he is like a fur 
ankle bracelet with me. He will not leave my side. So, but he's asleep and we had his dog bed on the other side of our bed. And my husband was swatting moths with the fly swatter because why not, I guess. And he's making all this racket and, and you can see his shadow on the wall. Well, so he swats and he goes, oh, you know, like this. Well, my dog wakes up and all he sees is this shadow of this swatting motion and a, and a grunt. And then he, he comes around the corner of that bed. I thought both of us are like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> just, he didn't hit me. I, I think it's that he thought that my husband, Chris, I think he thought Chris hit me. And so I laughed at him. I said, boy, you better behave around me because my dog isn't going to take any of your nonsense. <laughs> and I mean, that's the only sign I've ever seen him be very aggressive. And then he backed right off when he realized it was Chris, but I think it was just, I feel very comfortable, you know, if I'm out here alone that, you know, he's perfectly fine unless you are aggressive towards me and then he's not going to like it. So I'm, I'm good with a dog like that. I'll turn the switch on right there. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can just, I can just see the lab in the middle of the cows jumping up and down. That's what mine would do. Cause <laughs> he thinks he's one. We have cows that come behind our house and he, he just looks at them like they're one of his friends. So he doesn't understand what's going on at all. <laughs> yeah. Just another big dog. <laughs> yeah. Just a giant dog like me. Here I am. <laughs> I can just see him running and jumping in the middle and get kicked in the head too. So. <laughs> right. That's... You have to be careful. So what, what's your time of day when you, when you write the best, is it when you wake up or just anytime you get an urge, you just go write? I write best in the morning. So I start writing around nine and I write, I, I really try to get about 2,500 words as a minimum in a day. And then I kind of do other business stuff. I usually do the business in the afternoon. Um, but I don't stay up late. I'm not a night owl. I'm actually, a, I'm up at five just by nature. And so I like to start early. So that's my most creative time in the morning. I've noticed with a lot of the authors I speak to and myself, uh, morning is the best because I think everything's fresh yeah. and it comes out easier. And since my, my lab wakes me up at four every morning, because he thinks that's what time <laughs> he has to eat or he'll die. So right. four, it's 4 a.m. for Enzo and the whole herd at that point. So where he's going right. to die. How, he how dare you not feed him until four in the morning? You should I'm... be up much earlier. <laughs> <laughs> He wants it, believe me. He sits there staring at you, then he starts punching. So. <laughs> the labs are awesome. Yeah, they're great. They're a great animal. <laughs> so if you can give tips uh, to an aspiring author, uh, three tips, what would that be? My first thing I would say, especially if you're thinking about independent publishing, is just hit publish, just do it. You don't die. And it's so scary. And you're so worried that what people are going to think and you know, how are people going to receive this book or everybody's going to hate it. You're you're just, it's a weird thing being a creative person because you're afraid you, you have to create, but then you're afraid to put it out there in the world. And honestly, certainly the independent um, publishing community is so supportive, crazy supportive. If you need help, there's a million places that you can go for it. And people are so willing to help, but just, just do it, just do it and get it out there. Your next one will be better and you'll get better as you go, but you know, you can always, take it up, take it up, put it down, whatever you need to do, but, um, but just do it. Don't be afraid. Do it. (laughs) Um, the other would be to get involved in a writing community and a group. And so like sisters in crime is obviously for mysteries and thrillers and all those kinds of things. Um, I like to belong to that because when we have guest speakers, they're always, they're like the coroner or somebody, you know, cool talking about stuff I wouldn't know otherwise. And, um, so that's neat, but there's any kind of, any genre you write has a group most areas in the country have a local writing group or one that's close enough that you can, you know, attach to. Um, 
And there's even national groups too that are great, but Facebook groups also, and you can find, you can find writers all over the place and, and, and it's a, a great friendly, friendly group. Um, three, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, get good tools. There's great <laughs> tools out there to use. I write in a, in a software called Scrivener and I do my first self uh, edit pass through a, through a software called Pro Writing Aid which is kind of like Grammarly. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's, you can put any piece of writing through it and it just checks your grammar and um, spelling and it checks everything. If anything you want it to, like, have you word, used a word too many times or, or are you saying a phrase too many times, any of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I also use a formatting program called Vellum, which is worth its weight in gold. So those would be three tools that I would highly recommend. You were, you were stumbling on the third tip and you came up with three tools, only three tips. So, so three that, tools, three tips. See, you went over and above, above and beyond what, what we needed. Overachieving. Right see, that's, that's that living in a marine life right there. It's good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Jody, how does someone get in contact with you if they want to just talk to you or you know, have, maybe have you on their show or have you come speak to a, a young writing group? Yeah, great. Um, Every, everywhere you want to find me, you can find on my website. So that's the easiest place to go. That is jody-burnett.com. And it's Jody with an I, Burnett with two T's. And um, I have also, I have three free books on that website. If you want to sample my writing, you can look at it, look at that and, and check it out. Um, and so I, you can do all my social media you can find on there and you can just hit contact me if you want to email me and it comes right to me and I answer all my emails. So awesome. I'd be happy to hear from anybody. Love when people actually answer your emails. That's great. Right. <laughs> How strange. That's weird. Well, Jody, it's been great, great chatting with you this evening. Uh, I hope you get back to your, your animals there and have a good night and I'll try to get mine and stop them. Whatever they're doing down there, I can hear them, but hopefully they're not killing anything or themselves. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing well, the, next, thank you. the next books in your series. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me tonight, Rich. No problem. Daddy, I'm afraid. Won't you stay a little while? Keep me safe. Cause there's monsters right outside. Daddy, please don't go. I don't want to be alone. Cause the second that you're gone, they're gonna know. Before he went to bed, he grabbed my hand and said, Just cause I'm leaving, it don't mean it. I won't be right by your side. When you need me, you can't see me. Take me far away I know I act tough But 
There's a churning in my gut Cause I just can't call you up when things get rough Before I left he hugged my neck and said Just cause you're leaving it don't mean it I won't be right by your side When you need me you can't see me know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in the industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are the Fit Nation.